again to the World Snooker Tour podcast. With me today is someone who's now in to his 28th season as a professional snooker player. Matthew Stevens, welcome along. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. No problem. Now, you've been around, it feels like, forever at this stage. And indeed, even as a kid, I seem to remember you were shown playing snooker on TV. Yeah, um, I remember my first, I think my first time on TV was, funny enough, it wasn't Junior Pop Black. It was um, Timmy Marlitt's Whack a Day. Mm. <laughs> and mm. I think I was nine or ten. Yeah. Um, so how did that come about? I think it was just like Riley's clubs and um, you, you just filled a form in and you went to the local club and I, and I won the one in, I think it was Swansea. And I was to go to the studios and in London and uh, I think I remember I think Jamie Burnett ended up winning it and like he was God are you talking what's that 30, 35 years ago now so yeah so it's uh, so, so did you meet Timmy Mallet? yeah he was there yeah and Michaela, uh, Michaela Strachan was there alright oh, so just just for anyone who wasn't around at the time Timmy Mallet was a kids yeah, TV presenter that's right, yeah. and a pop singer and Michaela Strachan was a very well known television presenter yeah as well, so yeah. they presented you know the Wackaday and they had this obviously kids from all parts of the country. Now, uh, BBC Wales, I think, came to see you practice as well, didn't they, around that time? So you were attracting interest at an early age. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I made my first century break at 11, and that obviously, you know, in those days, it wasn't really heard of. But now, you know, you've got kids in China doing it century breaks at the age of three. So <laughs> it's... Quite uh, exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But I know but, what you mean, yeah. But back then, you know, it was it was pretty rare. So, you know, I had a lot of publicity over that, and... From there, you know, I, I started um, playing in junior events, you know, the Welsh Junior Tournaments, and I won the um, Hemsby, I think it was the end of 15s, when I was like 13 or something, and yeah, basically growing up, you know, with Mark Williams and Lee Walker, and, you know, playing in all the junior tournaments, and I was Welsh champion a few times, really fond memories. And you turned pro in 1994. I think you were still only 16 at the time. I think I was 16 or 17, maybe 17. I think you were just about to turn 17. Se- maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, so what was that like, Matthew, at such a young age, finding yourself on the pro circuit? Looking back, you know, you don't realise how young you actually are. You're just taking your stride. you just, you know, from the age of 10, 11. That's all I wanted to do. And it was, you know, I, I, I visualised it, so it wasn't a real shock, if you know what I mean. Um yeah, you know, went to Blackpool, you know, at the age of 16, 17, you know. And for the qualifiers. Qualifiers, there for, you know, three months at a time. It, you know, it went steady, not not brilliant at the start, but, you know, I was winning a lot of matches, but, it, you know, it was really tough. Um, I think it was my second year I really broke through. I climbed up to, like, number 67 after my second season. And there were still hundreds of pros at that time. So yeah, that I think really it was, like, five, 500 pro. I think after my first year, I was, like, 236, I think, rings a bell. I think I reached the last 48 of the Dubai Classic. I think my first season, that's the best I did in my first season. Um, I lost to Lane Robidoux, but I beat Fergal O'Brien in the last 64, and that was a, you know, was a massive win for me at the time. Did the game come easily to you? Certainly compared to other players, it seemed to. Yeah, because I suppose at the age of six, I was like 16, 17, although I was young, I'd played so many matches, you know, as as a kid, you know, with Ronnie and... You know, there's so many, Chris Scanlon at the time, Jonathan Saunders, you know, um, but playing week in, week out, you know, my mum and dad used to take me to Leicester every week for the big pro-arms. I used to lose every, I used to lose 3-4-0 every week and, 
know, it, it must have been frustrating. Not frustrating for them, but obviously they they could see. You know, in the in the, you know in a few months then, I was able to lose three one, three two, and then they could see obviously a gradual. You know, I was gradually getting better and eventually win, you know, winning matches. You know, at the age of like twelve, thirteen, so you know they could see the improvement in me quite quite quickly. And when you turned pro, that improvement continued. Only a couple of years in, you were getting to the business end of the yeah. very biggest events. Yeah, you know, I was in. I think I reached the my first semi final. I think it was the Grand Prix. 97? I think maybe. I think it was the uh, Dominic won it. Yeah, and then you reached the UK semi-final a few weeks later. Yeah, and I think, was it 99 that maybe I got to the final of the UK? You got to two UK finals, 98 and 99. I don't even know myself. It's but, okay, Matt. I'll, yeah. I'll do the facts, yeah, you yeah, do the yeah, memories. Yeah, I'm just yeah. guessing. <laughs> but it's interesting, though, we're talking about the UK there, and you also had a couple of good crucibles in the 1990s. So right from the start of your career, mm. it was clear that you were someone who really liked the long matches. Yeah, I suppose I don't know what it was, but I just felt comfortable at the crucible. My, at the crucible, you know, my first year, I got to the, I think I got to the quarterfinal, my first, first ever you time did, in the crucible. Yeah, 1998. I think. And the same again the next year. I think Ken was defending champion. I think was it 98? Yeah, 98. It was. I lost to Ken. I think 13, maybe 13, 10, maybe I don't, I don't know. I think John beat him in the final that year. Mm-hmm. I can back up for the final or something, but. Um, that's right. In fact, all the quarter finalists, I think, were invited. Yeah, back. I, I remember I, you sitting. I think it was in the front row. I, I on was the final I, night. I was in the fight. No, I, I was with John's brothers, and I tried to get him in. I, I think he won in the final, whatever score it was, and they were trying to get in, and security wouldn't let him in. And I said, "Oh, it's John's brothers," <laughs> you know, and they eventually let him in. So that shows the status you had already. You were vouching for other people to get <laughs> in. But yeah. um, no, it's great memories. Yeah, the Crucible. Um, you know, although I never won it, and I think I reached at least five semis maybe um and a couple of finals so yeah you know it's obviously frustrating not to win it there but you know i've had um you know good good memories of you know playing a lot of big matches there we'll talk about those finals in a moment one tournament that doesn't get mentioned very often but i imagine meant quite a lot to you you won the nation's cup with wales and that was a really big thing at the time yeah that was huge that, that was really enjoyable actually um with with um with darren and dominic and mark um, I can't remember where we won it. Was it Reading or no? Was it maybe Newcastle actually? I think it was in Newcastle when we won it. Well, it was 1999 anyway. It, I'm sure it was in Newcastle because we had like a team bonding in this pub every night and we were, you know, we were having a few drinks every night. And the Welsh going see, to the pub. I well, no, no, that, no, 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 <laughs> no. I don't not anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that was great. But I think my biggest one, I think I won, was in Motherwell, um, the Regal Masters. Well, you'd had to qualify for that. I had to qualify, yeah. yeah so I think to I, end up yeah. winning it was great. Yeah, because... Uh, it was a very elite field. Yeah, because I think I beat um, Alan in the first round and then Mark Williams in the last 16... No, in the quarters, and Ronnie in the semis and John in the final. So, you know, obviously people say, you know, I've won one ranking event, but for me that, <laughs> that sort of supersedes any ranking event. Well, you I mean, know, that was the old Scottish Masters, and yeah. as you've just outlined there, it was very good players all the way through. So that was a real step forward for you. Especially to beat John in the final, because I think I was 3-0 down, and obviously it was in Motherwell. You know, it was like five minutes from mm. his house, and I ended up, I came back to beat him 9-7 in the final. That was, and I think I beat him in the semis of the UK the, a few weeks later as well. So, that, you know, I was obviously improving quickly at that time. 
improving so quickly, in fact, that you went out at the start of 2000 and won the Masters. Mm. It's a final that's actually remembered more for Ken missing the 147 on the final black. And I remember they cut to you, and you were more in shock than anybody else. And you even gave him a little round of applause just for the effort. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, we we were talking about it before, because obviously the the car was in the foyer of the... Conference centre, I think it was. It was. It was this big yellow it's sports big yellow. car worth eighty thousand pounds. Yeah, and uh, it was, it was, it was, it was really bad, you know, because it would be nice to be part of that. Um, yeah, it was sickening, but but a very big thing for you though to win a title as big as that at still quite a young age. Yeah, I think I was 21, 22, 22, 22 I think. Twenty-two, because yeah. I think that year I got to the final of the UK and the final of the world. So That's right. Yeah. Um, so you know, at, at 22 to reach, you know, three of the, you know, the biggest tournaments, you know, was, uh, was but at the time, you don't realise how big an achievement it is, uh, you know, when you when I actually doing it. Well, I was going to say that I even remember at that time I was at a lot of these tournaments and you didn't seem phased by any of it. It was as if I was you just, thought this was just what you expected to be doing. Yeah, that's right. You know, even playing Ken in the final, when you win it, you just. You're supposed to take things for granted. It's like when Judd wins now, you know, it's just another day in the office. You know, it just becomes a habit of winning. Um, yeah, because it's, it's what you, exp- it's what I visualised growing up, you know, and when I was actually in the position, you know, I, I enjoyed it. So the world final then for the first time at the end of that season playing your very yeah. good friend, Mark Williams. You looked like the winner for so much of it, Matthew. 13-7 yeah. up you were. I remember you putting an amazing black from just off the side cushion to build a really big lead. Then Mark comes back at you. I think some people thought you had maybe caved into the pressure. Yeah. That's not how I remember it at all. Mark just suddenly freewheeled and played brilliantly for the rest of the match. Yeah, I, I remember 13-7 because we had four more frames to go before overnight or to go into the evening session, sorry. And I missed one ball in the next four... He basically won four frames in 40 minutes. I think he more or less not just chucked everything at me. You know, he had nothing to lose at that time because mm. he thought he, he he was out. And then obviously to win those four frames to come back to 13-11, it's, it's anyone's in the evening session, you know, and at 13-7, I was like, I was in the dressing room, my dad saying, oh, this is... You know, I just won the Masters. Like this is this is this, this game's easy. It's easy, yeah. yeah. But and looking back, well, if you'd have told me I'd have lost that final from 13-7, you know, I hadn't had no scars by that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It was easy. I was just on, well, automatic pilot really, and I just thought, you know, I'd win that 18-10, and then crack on with the next season. But you know, it didn't pan out that way, and that's the way it is. Oh. Matthew Stevens led 13-7. It was a commanding lead. Another couple of frames and it would have been an impregnable lead. But Mark Williams showed amazing resilience to recover, to win by 18 frames to 16. So was it the case afterwards that you weren't overly disappointed? You felt I'll have plenty more chances? Yeah, which I proved I had, you know, I think after that, I reached, I'm not, well, I don't know if I got to the semis the next year, or I can't remember. You, you did, know, I, played a great semi the next year against John, actually. 
and you were in you were kind of a regular really at the business end of the championship those long matches you must feel if every tournament had been long matches you would have been right up there number one or two in the world because you always seem to do well in them in those days can you think of any reason why that was was it just more time to settle into the game i think and i think which is might sound daft i i prepared better for the world championship than any other tournament i don't know i just that was the one i was you were for. a big occasion player you yeah, got inspired I, by the big occasions yeah you know and i'm still the same to this day you know um i tend not to not it's just getting the buzz you know playing in you know like no disrespect to the other tournaments you know i need a crowd and you know i need you know a big occasion to, you know to get me Nervous, really. <laughs> you and you, I mean? you grew up at a time when the world, the UK and the Masters really stood out. They were massive events on the British sporting calendar, perhaps even more so yeah. than they are today. So they were the ones you dreamed about growing up. And I guess that's why they inspired you so much. Yeah, especially, you know, I think I've obviously done well in the UK as well. Maybe maybe five semis or better. I don't know. Um, three finals of the UK. You know, they were best of 17s at the time, mm. you know, and it's a shame that, they, you know, they've cut it to best of 11. Well, they've even cut the World Championship to best of 11 now. Well, the qualifying, but, yeah. you know, it's... Mm. Well, I think that may be only a temporary thing. Well, we'll see. it's two years on the trot, so yeah. I don't... Yeah. I just find that ridiculous. I got a bit, you know, you're playing a World Championship match, best of 11. It's just... You know, you're three one down and you're under, you know, you're under pressure. And it shouldn't be like after the World Championship, I don't think. You mentioned your dad there, uh, Morel, a really, really well-liked figure on the circuit. I remember sitting with him many times in press rooms while you were playing in these yeah. big matches we're talking about. Sadly, he passed away only the year after you'd been in that first World Final. And that must have been so hard for you, Matthew. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was It was really tough. Because um, he used to come with you every, to everything. Every, every tournament, yeah. We used to go to China... Everywhere, you know, he was not only my dad, he's my best mate, you know, and mm. uh, yeah, that that was, uh, that hit me for six. Yeah, he was great fun to be around yeah. in venues, and we all miss him, obviously you, much yeah. more than the rest of us. So, let's move on to the biggest title, I think most people would agree, of your career, the UK Championship in 2003, and a great bonus that you played Stephen Hendry in the final. He got off to a great start, though, so you really had to be the one coming from behind this time, kind of the opposite of that world final we were talking about. Yeah, that's right, I think... My memory's not great. Was I three or four nil down he in the final? He was four nil up, four and he nil. was playing great at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's right. Because yeah, I remember a lot. Of my family came up, and I was four nil down, and I went into the players' lounge. And it was oh, never mind. You know, we were a jinx <laughs> and that. And and I think I was. I won the next five, maybe to go five four, and I played great the next five frames. And uh, yeah, eventually, you know. That was that was a dream, you know, to beat Stephen in the final because I, you know, I'd looked up to him, obviously, over the years. Um, you know, to beat him in the UK final was was special. Yeah. Unbelievable! Matthew Stevens has won his first ever world ranking event, and Stephen Hendry, the gentleman that he is, is the first to come forward to congratulate him. The crowd have absolutely loved this final. What a superb! match and congratulations to Matthew Stevens. Did you think this was going to be the start of winning a lot of these tournaments or did you just take it for what it was and enjoy it? Yeah, I you know, I've never been the most dedicated and like I said, you know, I I get up for the bigger events and you know, it's 
I think you're just born with that. That's just the way I am. I think maybe it was because you know after my dad passed and mm-hmm. I lost a bit of motivation. But that's you know people that happens though. You know that's no excuse. You know, but people people look you know look at life different way different different to me you know if we were all the same i suppose it'd be boring wouldn't it so it's not like you're sitting here saying oh i wish i had been more dedicated you seem quite accepting of who you are yeah I, you know that's it um you know I've, so far I've had, you know i've had a good life you know i can't complain about anything um yeah you know i've i have fun maybe too much fun i don't know what's but you know what what is what is this life? Let's be honest, we don't know. If you've but enjoyed I, it, I'm, that's I'm all the matters. I'm enjoying myself, yeah. and I still am. Yeah. You got to another world final then, 2005. Very similar, actually. You had a bit of a lead, and you ended up getting beat in 1816. This time, of course, you had gone in as the favourite because you were up against Sean, who was down at 48 in the world at the time. It was an amazing story. Mm. Was that one a bit harder to take, the fact that you were a bit older and maybe had been expected to win it? Or uh, did you just treat it the same as five years earlier? It, it was strange. That was a strange season because I don't think I'd hardly won a match before, not not before the world, but you had been in the final I, I in got Dublin. To, I got to the, I got yeah, bef- but uh, I think I'd lost about four or five matches, and then I got to the final of the Irish Masters, mm. and I lost to Ronnie in the in the close final. I think ten eight. So obviously that gave me a bit of confidence going into the World Championship, but. I honestly, if you watch me play in that World Championship, I was how I got to the final. I don't know. I was awful all the way through it, and it was one of the, it was similar to the, not similar, but I thought oh, I'm going to win this World Championship by playing poorly. I remember telling my mate Vinny, and uh, I was like, I'm ten six up, and I'm thinking, I'm going <laughs> like I said, I'm going to win this, and I haven't played anywhere near you know what I can play. It was a strange tournament, but. Um, did it catch up with you in the end? Then is that what happened? No, on the final I think just Sean just got inspired. You know, the, the last few frames, everything he took on, it went in. So again, you know, it was a similar sort of turning point to when I played Mark. You know, it was two or three frames where Sean, only a few months ago, actually popped up on YouTube, and I thought, oh, I'll have a look at that, see what. Because I, and it was only then I actually that was the only time I've ever seen it, and I thought he was going for balls like thin blacks. Whites in the jaws going into the at 16 all, you know, and I was thinking, that's unbelievable. And that, you probably wouldn't even look at that now, but you know, that's just, you know, he actually won it. I didn't lose that. Tears are being shed. Tears of emotion, relief, and happiness. Because has beaten Matthew Stevens. I hate to go down this road again, but we do have to mention Paul because he was a great friend of yours and yeah. just a great lad, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. You know, he had, I say I have fun, but I think he, he he topped me, to be fair. You know, he was... no Well, no one had a bad word to say about Paul. You know, he was... He was the same. He wouldn't know if he'd won or whether he lost. And that, to me, that shows, you know, a lovely person. This is Paul Hunter we're talking yeah. about, of course, who passed away so sadly in 2006. And he'd been ill, very ill, for about 18 months. Yeah. He, even going through that as his friend must have been very hard. Yeah, but he never mourned once, you know. He kept playing all through. He kept, Amazing. He kept playing, and and I just thought, you know, he'd, he'd come through it. And it was just, just you know, devastating, you know, for, 
everyone and obviously his parents and his sister and obviously his his wife at the time yeah it's heartbreaking and uh are you still in touch with any of his family at all yeah i speak to i speak to alan and christine now and again you know i'd love to go back up and spend more time with them um they're his parents yeah mm. yeah so i'll have to do that so yeah they're lovely people you know i love them love them so much yeah, it was a terrible time for anyone yeah. who knew him in, in any way, and obviously you knew him very, very well. Now let's talk about a very strange tournament that you were very much involved in, the one in Bahrain, where you got to the final. That was a, a really curious sort of event because it was played in a place that there wasn't much snooker heritage at all. Yeah. How did you find it, or were you just focused on what was happening on the table? Now you've mentioned about it, I've totally forgot about that tournament. <laughs> this is the one you played Neil in the final. That's right, yeah, I remember playing Neil, but... I can't remember where I beat in the semis or caught nothing. So it's a bit of a blur because I think the final it was it went on until about two two in the morning or something. And there, there was, was no one there. particularly epic frame. It, yeah. it was like it didn't even feel like we were playing a match. It was it was strange, but but obviously those are the ones you got to win to you know to tick off the ranking events. But I was like I didn't even feel that int- not. In, there's no one in the crowd, so there was, was no buzz there. You know, it was, it was it was a strange tournament. Do you remember anything about the place itself? Manama, I think, was the city. It yeah, was not really. I remember there was like a, a, pub, a pub not far from the venue. Just there was like a sports bar, like an Irish bar. Mm. So I spent most of my time in there, to be honest. Yeah. It's hardly <laughs> a city. You cannot find a city in the world without an Irish No, that's right. It. You yeah. can't fault them. <laughs> now, this is where we come, Matthew, to what I call the quick fire round. It's just a bit of fun. I throw five topics at you, and you say whatever comes into your head. Just a word, a couple of words, a sentence, whatever you like. Mark Williams. Um, awesome, awesome player. Great temperament. And a good laugh. Best place you've been to in the world? I love Mallorca. Jackson Page. Fast, great talent. Best anyone's played against you? What, a particular match or...? Yeah, the best performance anyone's ever produced against you. Probably one of the best matches I've played. It was when I lost against Peter Ebden. Oh, the <laughs> world semi-final. World semi-final. That was one of the greatest matches uh, we've ever seen anywhere. Yeah, because I, I made like 17 breaks over 50 and I lost 17-16 and... So given that, that's probably the best anyone's played against you. The fact that you played so well and yeah, still got beaten. Yeah, probably Peter, yeah. He, I, I lost a couple of frames, you know, from Sampty in front and the rest is history, you know. I love Peter. And finally, shorter formats. Can't stand them. You're actually closing your eyes at the thought. It probably ties in with what we were saying earlier that you do so well in the long matches. Let's move on then. And Wales is such a proud sporting nation, isn't it? Are you into other sports at all? Do you follow Welsh teams or Welsh players and anything else? I obviously follow the football, you know, football team. You know, we've had good success for the past, you know, four or five years. And you know, I, I follow Swansea City, um, you know, my local team. Would you be into the rugby at all, like most Welsh people? Yeah, you know, I watch the, the, the Six Nations. Um, my boy's playing rugby now, and, you know, he's doing well. So All right, what position is he in? Um, at the minute, he's playing the second row, but he's, I think he's better flanker, to be honest. The other thing that uh, marks you out as a Welshman is you speak the language, which yeah. not that many people in Wales actually do speak fluently. Is it something you actually get a chance to do very often? Not as much, because uh, obviously I went to a Welsh-speaking school. You weren't allowed to speak English unless it was English lesson. So... And why was that, Matthew? Was that because were your parents well speakers? My dad wasn't. He could understand the language, but um, my mum 
my mum spoke Welsh. She speaks Welsh. She still speaks Welsh, you know, to her sister and that. But I very rarely speak Welsh now, unless it's interviews. If someone came in here now who can speak fluent Welsh, would you be able to still hold a conversation? Oh yeah, with them? yeah, yeah. You know, not, it's not as good as it used to be, but you know, it's pretty good. Yes, sir. Mark Selby is still to be beaten in the Scottish Open. Only his second appearance, and he has successfully retained the title. From the 6th to the 12th of December, Snooker's top stars return to venue Cymru in Clandidno as part of the Bet Victor Home Nation Series. Book your tickets now at wst.tv forward slash tickets. How would you sum up then life as a professional player, Matthew? As I say, you're now in your 28th season on the tour. So how's the whole experience been for you? Even aside from the snooker itself, how have you found the whole life on the professional snooker tour? Um, lonely at times, but you know I've had a chance to go all around the world. Um, Are you one of the players who enjoys that, going to see other places? I can't wait to go back to China, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it'd be nice to go back after you know everything's has gone on. But um, yeah, I suppose we don't we don't realise that like you know I'm I can hold my hands up and I moan about going to these places sometimes, but but when you actually sit down and think about it, you know people are going to work. I know, and we're going to China and flying, what you know, getting everything put on the plate for us. It's pretty sad that we moan about it. Let's be honest. Yeah, and it seems to me you're pleased enough, really, with your career. People say, yeah, you didn't win the World Championship, which, in a sense, is a tribute to you and how good a player mm. you've been over the years that people remark upon that. But you've won the Masters and you've won the UK. That's more than probably 95, 99% of other players have done, so you have a lot to be pleased about. Yeah, you know, I admit I've underachieved. You know, I, I think I should be multiple, maybe, maybe you know, world champion, but... Yeah, you know, I've, I've, like I said, you know, about the Regal Masters, um, beating, you know, Mark, John and Ronnie in that, in that tournament, you know, to want to win it. And, um, and I, well, I beat Stephen Embry in the final of the Northern Ireland Trophy in front of Full House in Belfast. So Just after you'd lost the world final, actually. Yeah. So it was a great bounce back. Yeah, so, you know, I've, you know, I've won a few tournaments which I think a lot of people forget mm. <laughs> because they obviously only see the one ranking event. So, um, yes, you know, I, I admit, you know, I should have done better, but, you know, that's my own fault, I guess. If you could have your time again, which I know is only hypothetical anyway, would you do things differently or but would you just take the same approach and be happy with what you've done? Yeah, you, you can't look back. You know, things happen. Like I said, you know, I lost my dad and that... I think that took a few years out of me, really. Um, I prepared for the World Championship for the next few years, and I think that's what showed in the results, I guess. But um, no, I, I wouldn't change nothing. Um, I've had a, you know, a decent career, and I've seen probably too many pubs in too many cities, I suppose, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, there you go. There's more to life. There's more to life than snooker. That includes, in your case, poker. And you're not just a champion at snooker. You won a big poker title, didn't you? Not long after taking up the game. Yeah, I've I won the UK the UK Open. I think it was in I can't remember what year it was. Two thousand four, five, maybe. I can't remember. Um, and there was huge money for that, wasn't there? Yeah, it, it was five hundred thousand dollars and. But we done like a deal. So I ended up with about two hundred and something thousand pound, 
um, which was tax-free. That was better. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I've had a good career in poker, you know, playing online cash games and that, and done pretty well, and, you know, I still play to this day. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're the only person ever to have been UK champion at both snooker and poker. Surely no yeah, one else well, has done that. maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Steve ever won the UK poker championship, so we'll <laughs> yeah. give you that double. And finally, Matthew, what can you still do? Because you're still playing, you can still produce good performances. I still find you very entertaining to watch, as I always have. So what can there still be ahead in the career of Matthew Stevens? Um, I think that's up to me, really, but whether you know I want to you know give it give it you know one last effort if you know what I mean um you know I'm, I'm quite low down the rankings now I don't think COVID has helped everyone anyone I mean sorry you know last year the UK championship I had COVID so and, and that's, that was you know one of the biggest tournaments and I had to pull out of that one and so you know one last push you now maybe hopefully I can play till I'm you know 50 and maybe you know try and sneak an event somewhere and here's a first for the world snooker tour podcast i'm going to ask you to sign off by saying goodbye in welsh cheers mate thanks for your time no problem thank you now do join me again the day after the uk final for a very revealing chat with ben wollaston as he talks about what it was like to play john higgins in a ranking final the lingering side effects of his covid vaccination and why he's only ever played one match at the crucible not being big-headed or anything but they come out with funny stats but i personally think i'm the best player to only play there once <laughs> i think everyone would agree on that yeah. um i've lost some real yeah bad matches um i lost four or five ten eight ten nines within six years getting to the crucible uh i think i'll probably put extra pressure on myself because i just want to play there so much so that and much more will be coming up next time on the world snooker tour podcast Until then, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.